Welcome to Smart Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Smart Cleaning School podcast, helping visionaries make the impact they were meant to make. Today's episode, Pick Up Your Problems, will pick up in just a minute after a word from our sponsor, The Funny Papers. Recently, I was at a cleaning of a regular house that I take care of once a month. And this is a house that I do various areas of the house per visit. I rotate around. Obviously, I always do the bathrooms, the kitchen, but there's a basement area and an upstairs that I sort of alternate from visit to visit. The basement is dark. The mom slash wife, she works downstairs. Her office is there. She does a lot of Zoom calls, etc. So on this last visit, I was asked to clean downstairs. And so to go downstairs, obviously I had to open the basement door, walk down, and find the bathroom that's down there and the room. Okay, that's elementary. But here's what I did not expect. As I am walking down the stairs, you know, through the doorway at the top, if you can imagine it's a kitchen with the basement door pretty much facing the kitchen, and the basement was dark, very dark. And I was holding a bucket. I had a paper towels in my other hand, so I didn't have like a free hand to turn the lights on. I didn't even know where the light switch was. It's normally on. So I walk down the stairs a little gingerly like I normally would. Don't want to trip. When as I'm looking down, just kind of caught, I won't say the corner of my eye, but I noticed it. There was in the dark like a blur of fabric on one of the steps. It reminded me of like a bin of cat or dog toys, little animals with funny faces on it, a little rags that cats and dogs can kind of rip it apart with their with their mouths. Yeah, it was like one of those. It was sitting on the step, and I didn't pay much attention to it. So I take a step, another step, and then my next step hit whatever that animal toy was, that cloth, that fabric, and I lost my footing, and down I went, Thankfully, my left foot, which hit the unidentified pet toy object on the steps, and my left foot skidded over that bump down to the next and to the next, and I was hurling down, and somehow my right foot caught a grip on the step below this toy, and I stood up at the bottom step of the staircase, still with my balance, still holding my tote and still holding my paper towels and feeling very blessed, very fortunate. Falling down the steps is not a good scenario to happen. That's a very quick way to put yourself in a disability claim. Matter of fact, I remember about 10 years ago, my grandfather, not the one that has recently passed, my mom's father, my papa Mel, He's a pretty cool guy. At one point, he was a black belt in a Japanese art of karate and had a chance to actually spar against the one and only Bruce Lee. Oh, yeah, that's a cool story for another time. But this grandfather of mine, he was ripped, and he knew his cat-like reflex and balance. 
And in his 70s, he took a wrong turn, which he thought was his bedroom, but it was a staircase, wooden steps, and he went down and broke both legs and I think did some dislocation somewhere. And he tells me later, I'm lucky to only break my legs because his natural reflexes from his karate training, he said he put himself into some kind of a karate spinning flip thing. I don't know what he explained but he ended up, you know, my 75-year-old grandfather, whatever he was at the time, imagine him like rolling down the steps in this amazing like technique that he had learned. And it prevented him from getting major injury, a couple of broken legs. It's also the same grandfather on a trip to China, fell off the, the wall of China. <laughs> Pop, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I had to get that in there. You've been prone to falls in your 70s. The one down the step was not you, and you that was amazing. But the fall off the Chinese wall, I don't know what to say to that. That was a joke in the family. You know, they would superimpose his face on pictures, and oh, it's good. Anyway, we have a lot of sarcasm in our family. Back to me. I had vivid images of me tumbling down the steps like my pop-up mail. And to my relief, I was standing and holding the tote and the paper towels. And I'm like, what the heck was that? What did I just step on? What kind of toy was that? I mean, it felt squishy, you know, a big fabric, a blanket, whatever. And I look up the steps, the toy, it was gone. It was totally gone from the steps because my eyes had adjusted to the darkness. I didn't see any toy in the step. I'm like, what the heck? So I must have kicked it. It fell down the steps. I'm looking around the steps. I'm looking at the bottom on the floor and the landing there. There's nothing. Well, maybe it kind of went into the other room. I looked in the next room, nothing there. Then... I look up the steps and I see like the Cheshire cat in the tree from Alice in Wonderland, I see this gigantic orange cat looking at me. And then he just gives me a little head nod and just moves along out and up into the kitchen and onward. I'm like, there's no way that was a cat that I just stepped on. It couldn't be. So I'd seen the owner not long after I said, I think I just stepped on your cat. I'm not positive, but I landed on something that was very squishy, and I just slipped down the steps. I almost fell, and luckily I caught my grip. She wasn't upset. She just simply said to me, Oh, I see that you've met our cat, Moose. Well, smart cleaning school, if you are ever cleaning or have an employee cleaning a house... Watch out for a cat named Moose. It was not a toy. It was the cat, later confirmed. And that is a gigantic cat. And now back to our podcast episode for today. Pick up your problems. I have shared multiple times on this podcast that I am a huge Tim Ferriss fan. The four-hour work week really was a game changer for me on the way I viewed my work and goals toward freedom. I also listened to his podcast. They are what's called long-form interviews. So I do mine, they're an hour long, and that seems a lot longer than what I've been doing to you, the listener. But guys like Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, wildly popular podcasters, wildly entertaining, extremely incredible interviewers. I love listening to them because they are so good with their interviews. They go long form, one and a half to two and a half hours. I've even listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast, three 
hours long. What do they talk about in three hours? I'm telling you, Tim has his questions prepared. He goes into areas that aren't normally talked about as he teases the habits of successful peoples and what makes them tick. And then he goes deeper and deeper and oh, it's so good. I love that podcast. And by spending so much time, Tim and Joe, they can really dig in deep into their guests' life stories. And I love hearing these stories of challenge, of obstacles, overcoming, learning, and of course, victory. I always hear some one-liners and some zingers that I can share on my social media, maybe put a few on my podcast here, maybe text them to a friend. I love quotables. They're so cool. But I also hear some awesome mindsets that I feel so compelled to share here on this podcast. One in particular that I had done recently, it was an interview by Tim Ferriss with Kelly Slater, world-renowned and probably the greatest surfer of all time. The episode was called When You're Humble, You're Teachable. And that was a zinger that Kelly Slater shared in his podcast. And I went in deep on how that interview impacted me. So I encourage you, go back and check out that podcast where I talked about Kelly Slater's humility. Now on this podcast, we're going to go into another amazing interview that Tim Ferriss did. So I'm basically taking Tim Ferriss interviews and I'm giving the Ken's Notes version with my own spin. So Tim, if you're listening, I doubt you are, but if you ever heard this, thank you for your amazing work. You are absolutely an artist at what you do and a professional at what you do. You are amazing at the art of interviewing and teasing out what makes people so successful. So I would encourage you to check out the full episode where I'm about to share here. It's called How to Reinvent Yourself. I've linked that in the show notes. And it's with a former member of the Big Three, Miami Heat, playing alongside LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, an NBA star by the name of Chris Bosh. In 2010, LeBron James made the decision well, I'll take my talents to South Beach. Remember that? Well, Chris Bosh came with him from Toronto to join D. Wade and LeBron. The big three went on to win two out of four NBA titles in four consecutive years. No, it wasn't. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Yeah, I know. I know they said that. They never hit the seven, but they got two. It's pretty good. I was always perplexed by Chris. He was a star in Toronto and seemed to disappear in the Miami hype machine with LeBron and D-Wade. He even changed his game to adapt to the new system led by coach Eric Spolstra. Chris was unselfish, and ultimately it paid off with two championship rings. Therefore, when I saw the interview with Tim, I had to check it out. Now, I've got some observations. I'm just going to share those as I remember them from the interview. Chris is a voracious reader. That really stuck out to me. Likely, he's a great leader because of that, because Harry Truman said, here's one of those zingers, leaders are always readers. But readers aren't always leaders. In this case, Chris Bosch is a leader because of so many reasons. You just look at what he's doing now. He's an ambassador for the NBA in his retirement. We'll get back to that. Chris is also articulate. He's interesting. At one stage of the interview, 
He broke down why the league changed from playing bigs in the paint, which was the game plan in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, to what is played now, which is shooters behind the arc, the three-point game. Steph Curry, James Harden, even the ones that would be considered bigs years ago, tall, lanky guys like Durant, Chris Bosh kind of fit in that mold, and these guys can shoot. I was so amazed at how Chris broke this down. See, I've always watched the game as a fan, and honestly, I was disappointed in the changes that the league had undergone. I never understood it. It seemed to me like, oh great, they're just going to keep shooting three-pointers. Wonderful. Now that was exciting at the end of games in the NCAA tournament. Yes, in the NBA, I liked guys like Jordan slicing to the rim and dunking it in someone's face. That was exciting to me to watch. But give the guy to a guy on the arc and shoot. Great. Now guys like Ray Allen, I mean, there's just such a beauty in their shot that just made it fun to watch. But when he was doing it, it wasn't as popular. But when everyone's doing it, it's like, okay, this is a new league. Okay, off my soapbox now. I'm watching it as a fan. I never understood it. But when Chris broke it down, I nerded out. I'm telling you, he went into sabermetrics, statistics, and he explained that the new style of play was more probable of winning games if you're shooting three-pointers. Why? It's math. One shot is worth two points. One shot is worth three points. Now, the NBA facilitated this change by making the three-point arc and adding the three-point shot, I believe, in like 1980, I believe is when they put that in there. So when they instilled that particular new rule or option for three-pointers, the sabermetric statistical machine started adding things up. Chris went into a whole bunch of statistics like... Well, if there's less big people on the floor because everyone's shooting, that's less injury, less contact, more durability, lasts longer in the league. Some of these guys were getting beaten up so much they couldn't make it that long. He also mentioned things like, I forget what the stat is called, but after you shoot a three-pointer versus a two-pointer, do you get the offensive rebound or not? There's stats on this, like some... Things show, well, well, obviously, you want the offensive rebound, right? Well, they show if you go for the offensive rebound, there's statistics that show, in some cases, that going for the rebound actually leaves your team behind on defense, and then the other team does get it, and they run down the court, and they have some kind of a breakaway or a three-on-two or something like that, and it leads to easy points on the other end. And so the contested shot was another statistic that Chris brought up. And with all these statistics, teams are building their strategy around it, and it led to the three-point game and what we see today. And who's the epitome of that? So if you're not following this at all, you're not a basketball fan, that's fine. Now, I can't play basketball very well, but I like the game. The epitome of, of what this new strategy turned into was the dynasty. It was short-lived, about four or five years. The dynasty of the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry. Oh my goodness, that team was absolutely unbeatable. You could put your best into it and they would knock down three-pointers at a historic, unprecedented pace. You can't keep up with them because for every two, they put up a three and they win large margins and they were the single winningest team of all time, upending the Bulls 72-10 and 
and this Golden State team won the championship and they finished the regular season, I believe it was 73-9 and in the 2015-2016 season. I mean, come on, they lost nine games out of 82? Nine! <laughs> That's incredible. That is what the new league is. Chris broke this down in the interview. So if this is causing you to hear some like, whoa, I want to check that out. Yeah, go check it out. Listen to Chris break it down. It was awesome. It was also awesome to hear Tim Ferriss just being humble and explaining that he doesn't play basketball. He doesn't watch basketball. He doesn't understand basketball. And he went on Wikipedia to look up the positions on the floor, the one, two, three, four, and five positions. Chris laughed but ended up explaining how the positions worked in the old game versus the new game. I'm telling you, Chris Bosch is a smart man. And it was really cool just to watch that happen. So Tim shifted gears. I was enjoying this already. But then when he shifted gears into life after basketball, this is the part that really taught me some valuable life lessons. Chris is a current ambassador for the NBA, as I mentioned before. And he says he's found himself complaining lately. On one such occasion, he's complaining, oh, I know I got injured in my career and blah, blah, blah. Just things aren't going like I want them to. And then he talks to a CEO of a company who had survived cancer and got a totally different vibe and perspective and stopped complaining. Like, why am I complaining? Look at him. He had also reflected on some former trips he had done as an ambassador with the NBA to India and Africa. And he shared that he saw real poverty Matter of fact, this is his comment. India made the projects look like a five-star hotel. Chris then said this, and it made Tim pause. If you listen to Tim Ferriss' podcast, he only pauses when something profound is said. Here is what Chris Bosch say. What do people say? You think you got problems? Well, everyone put their problems on the table. You'll pick yours right back up real quick. This is so profound as we all think we're going through the worst thing in our life. But there was always someone better off. And there's probably 10 people worse off. Those 10 worse off souls could be in your community or somewhere else in the world. It's all perspective. Just listen to what Chris said again. I'll repeat it. He said this. What do people say? You think you got problems? Well, everyone, go put your problems on the table. You'll pick yours right back up real quick. What he means by this, if you're confused, imagine walking into a restaurant. You sit at a circular table with eight chairs. You sit down, everyone sits at their chair, no one speaks, and you just take your problems out of your pockets, out of your bags. You take your problems, all your problems, and you put them on the table. When you see the other seven people's problems, you'll look at yours and say, yeah, I'll keep mine. I don't want anyone else's. So if you're carrying a load right now and you feel like you can't push through, get some perspective from Chris Bosch. He played with at least three Hall of Famers in LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Ray Allen. He's won two championships. He's a multi-multi-millionaire generational income. He's won an Olympic gold medal, 11-time NBA All-Star. He's written a book and many other accolades. And he was complaining? Happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is an emotion that comes and goes. Joy is a condition of the heart. 
that never changes regardless of your circumstances. Have you ever heard the stories of Christian missionaries going into the poorest of nations to build homes, orphanages, and churches? They meet these children that have nothing. And I mean nothing. Not even running water. And they are smiling with the most joy in their hearts these missionaries have ever seen. They just have a simplicity of life and overwhelming gratitude for what they do have. There was a major zinger from this episode too. Listen to what Chris said toward the end, and it made me stop and pause along with Tim for a second time. And I quote, The problem and the solution are both in the mirror. Ouch, the problem and the solution are both in the mirror. That is so profound. You have problems, I have problems. First realize that we would never exchange them with anyone else. Then take responsibility for your problems and solve them. This is called emotional maturity. Wow, that was a fun episode. Thank you, Chris Bosch. Thank you, Tim Ferriss, for this great content that I could share to my audience. And I just want to say, check yourself. Go look in the mirror. The problem, the solution are right there. And whatever you've got, you know what? You can fix it. Well, thank you for listening to the Smart Cleaning School podcast today. If you have any questions or you would like to reach out to me, just go to smartcleaningschool.com. You can see the link in the show notes. There's tons of resources on there. Plus, there's a link you can click if you want to schedule a free call with me. With that, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Smart Cleaning School. Class is dismissed. <laughs>